0: Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode here at Fort Worth Roots. Before we get started, I wanted to give a huge, heartfelt thank you to all of you that downloaded even a single episode from our launch. Thank you. Also wanted to give a special shout out to Leslie Ben, our first patron here at Fort Worth Roots. Thank you, Leslie. My guest today is the owner and founder of Success Champions. He's also the host of the podcast, Success Champions. And he's the founder of Badass Business Summit. It's not too late to get your tickets for this year's event. You can go to badassbusinesssummit.com. It's from the 25th to the 27th of September at the Hearst Conference Center. Give it up for Donnie Bovine. You'll find all of his information by going to DonnieBovine.com. Thank you all again for being here, and let's start the show.
1: Oh, man, you need to have those sound machines that throw all the claps and all the shit there. there. you go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I love it. I love it. Now i will actually be funny and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing with that. A
0: um, friend of mine, there's a, there's a Bluetooth option on here. You can hook up your phone to it and make some phone calls and talk to your friends or whatever. And uh, I was just kind of running through the, the little sound effects on there. It's, it's fun to play with, but it's just super corny. So,
1: uh, you know, I got a buddy named Scott Carson who runs the Note Closer show, and I he's got to have a couple thousand probably episodes on his show. Yeah. This dude keeps on his desk all these stupid little sound devices. So like the I'm sorry button, and, <laughs> and you'll be on his show, and all of a sudden you'll talk and you'll say something. And he'll hit some random buzzer and it goes off. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, he runs a very successful podcast. So... It, just whatever you do, make it part of your niche. Make it, make it part of your brain, part of your show, so people get used to the crazy
0: shit. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I might try to find a way to integrate it. It's, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to get used to all this. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd, Like I was telling you a second ago, uh, 10 episodes in, um, I feel like I'm dialing it in a, a little more every time. And every time I listen to a recording, I find something where I'm like, damn it.
1: Don't get perfectionist.
0: Don't. Well, yeah, I know. And I, I, I said something to that effect uh, during episode one. Like, I'm not trying to make this too polished because I want it to be transparent and realistic. And um, my guest that day was like, yeah, but also consider the listener. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you don't want to be too uh, flying by the seat of your pants. You do want to have some kind of professionalism in there. So, I'm, Man, I'm, I
1: I go I'm, back to go to Joe Rogan. Yeah. Joe Rogan is the most unedited, raw, real podcast For in the sure. marketplace. Yeah. And love me, hey, I can't listen to his shit. It's too fucking long, right? <laughs> uh, I, I just can't listen to him. But yeah. they don't do a whole lot to to edit on that show all the way through. I mean, what you see is what you get. I mean, yeah. Joe smokes a bowl, and then they get on there, and we can have a conversation. So uh, there's something to be said. It all goes down to who is going to listen. Yeah. You no. Know? And, and once you know that, then you produce a show that you're going to have fun with. Because if you don't enjoy it, they're not going to enjoy it. For sure. And you won't keep doing it.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I noticed by looking at your podcast, you've got hundreds of episodes. <laughs> so you obviously enjoy what you're doing. And I, I think you're absolutely right. You have to enjoy it or you're not going to keep doing it. I mean, we're not getting rich off of this. This is a... Oh,
1: you know, some of us might be. Well, yeah. <laughs> down the road. But, I mean, it, it's a it's a... Labor of
0: love, uh, certainly whenever you're starting off. so
1: You know, I, I would challenge that a little bit. I mean, it depends on what you want to accomplish with this thing. And, you know, if this is to get more people to, you know, awareness of Fort Worth, cool. Right. But if you're going to use this, as most podcasters should, as some sort of business development tool, you can make a shit ton of money out of it. Yeah. And, and what I always tell everybody is you don't make money from the podcast. You make money because of the podcast. Right. You know, because this is going to open up so many doors for you to get into the right conversations. Yeah. You know, uh, most people want to go into podcasting for some sort of download fame type bullshit that never works. Right. But if you do it to get to the people you want to get to, mm-hmm. brilliant strategy to make a lot of money. So are you? Are you kind of saying it's it's not the podcast itself, but more the connections that you're making? One hundred percent. Yeah percent. You know, uh, when, when I first got into uh, doing podcasting, uh, I was in a stage of my business where I was really struggling to figure out what it meant to be a business owner and all that. So when I launched it, I wanted to hear what people went through. Right. So for me, I was like, Oh shit, I've got a vehicle that I can literally reach out to almost anybody and ask them, you know, how they found success and what they went through. What was their mindset and shit behind that? Luckily, hundreds of thousands of people across the world also liked the same type of conversation but you know in in having that conversation dude i've i've opened up so many doors was able been able to speak on so many stages and do so many things because i had something that everybody needed i had a platform to get them exposed to the world. yeah, And it's, and it's a, a really unique thing. So before I launched my own business, being a, I was a sales trainer for an organization called Sandler Training. Now imagine I walk into a cocktail dinner, after hours reception, <clears throat> excuse me, or whatever, and I said, I'm a sales trainer. Do you think anybody wanted to run up and hug me or anything? <laughs> Probably <laughs> going to go to the other side of the room. Right. right go, oh, shit, what's this guy going to sell me? <laughs> but when you walk into a room and you say I'm a podcaster, the whole dynamic changes because now it's still, especially in Fort Worth, it's still really, really unknown. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't totally consume it yet. Sure. So people are curious. Oh, well, tell me more about that. You know, what's it about? It's almost like being a, a local television star or a radio personality type thing. It's a resource, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. And I'm finding that myself. I'm, I've put out some feelers on Facebook, some uh, local business groups and things like that. And people just flock to it. Yep. Which, this is not my first run uh, as an entrepreneur. I uh, I've done a couple of things, but the most recent thing that I tried to uh, to launch that that I was in the business of trying to gather uh, some attention from fellow entrepreneurs was a marketing business, mm-hmm. and I was trying to reach out to other businesses. But as soon as I said that I was a marketer, they're out. They didn't want to hear a damn thing I had to say. But like you said, uh, to kind of back up what you were saying that. They, whenever they hear a podcaster, they they want to know what your show is about, how they can get on it. Yep. you know how much time are you going to give them in front of the microphone? One hundred percent. So yeah, for sure.
1: You know, and and if more people understood the platform in that regard, mm-hmm. there would be so many more successful shows. Yeah, right. Because you just get in some amazing conversations, and I used to, and I still do a lot of consulting on podcasts and in corporations, but. You know, they always you know, financial firms are the ones I like to pick on the most. But if you're a financial advisor, nobody wants to fucking talk to you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, financial advisors. <laughs> well, you know, it's All just it, 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 it's a it's a tough profession. And, you know, it's it's like being a sales trainer. You walk up and you say, I'm a financial advisor, and everybody's like, oh, shit, here we go. Their brain shuts down. They start looking for exits. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but if somebody, you know, a financial advisor would start a fishing podcast, a, you know, race car podcast, something that they completely geek out on, mm-hmm. now they could go around town and say, hey, Mr. CEO, major corporation, I know you're into
0: NASCAR, XYZ, whatever,
1: yeah. yeah. Come on my podcast. Now you get this hour long or however long intimate conversation you build some sort of camaraderie and trust that ceo whoever is you know is going to give you a second shot of buying me coffee or anything else and now you get into some real conversations yeah and it allows you to lead without going for the sales maneuver right out the freaking gate right so. and that's that's part of the uh the issue with sales is trying
0: to figure out how to get around that uh that initial wall that everybody has already put up i mean in 2020 we're all pretty accustomed to People knocking on doors, uh, calling us on the phone whenever we don't want to hear from them. Uh, there's always somebody trying to sell you something.
1: Well, and you know what people don't understand about sales is, you know, I grew up in the sales game of the Grant Cardone worlds and all oh, that. Oh boy, ten X baby. Oh Jesus Christ, that guy wears <laughs> me out. But but you know because it's 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 those guys that had the philosophy that you got to close a deal, right? You know, their my money's in their pocket and all seller be sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole idea is just. In this day and age, it does not work. Right. And it just makes you a creepy bastard. But when you put yourself in a position to go find people that have common interests, like I love Facebook, you know, I tell people all the time, you can make a lot of money off of Facebook if you just go find people who geek out on the same shit you geek out on. Yeah. You know, so so whatever it is that you geek out on, whether it's, I don't know, like Scarborough fair, you know, Ren fairs and shit, you know, whatever it is, there's entire groups dedicated to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Go hang out with them and start making friends. Drop a little knowledge about what you do. Add some value, right? add some value and, and watch this shit happen. And when people find commonalities, the sales conversation becomes that just a fucking conversation. Yeah. Right. It's like trying to sell whatever to your best friend. You're not going to try these cheese dick moves to get them to buy your stuff, you're going to say, dude, this is what I got. Yeah. Is that something you want? Mm-hmm. No. All right, cool. Let's go back to Moving freaking, on. right. Yeah. rent fair share, whatever, you know, and, and most people, they're going in so cold mm-hmm. that it's, it, it forces them to be that creepy ass salesperson yeah. that nobody likes. Well, and I think, uh, training, I
0: usually in most environments, I, the last thing I did, um, I tried to move into sales for a, uh, for a roofing company, <laughs> door knocking. One hundred and one. Christ, man. And <laughs> the problem was I, I wasn't given any training. You know, I knew the product because I studied it myself on the side. No right. one told me that. They told me go out there and knock some doors. You know, <laughs> and pray to God a storm happens right off the bat. I'm like, I don't want to do that right. because I hate it when people knock on my door. So yeah, the sleazy salesman thing. It's that's that's a hard obstacle to get over. But I think training is probably key to that. You mentioned Scarborough Fairs. Do you do that every year?
1: We we do go out there. I've actually have friends that have been on cast for shit years out you know, there. Doing what? Um, well, one, uh, my buddy Lewis was uh, a gypsy out there and did a whole gypsy, carrot full garb, costume, actor, <laughs> you know, thing out there. And, you know, here's the thing. Uh, it's just another play plat- platform for anybody, right? You know, It's like yeah. going to watch an opera or whatever the fuck else. Mm-hmm. I'm... As long as people are happy and having fun, who gives a shit what they do? As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Oh, for sure. I haven't checked it out yet. I've just heard little snippets, people talking about it. But Dude, you want to talk about great food and great drinks? Yeah. yeah it's a good place to go. And, and make fun of people? It's a fantastic <laughs> place to people watch, <laughs> Donnie, making fun of people. <laughs> oh, shit. You better have a thick skin around me, period.
0: <laughs> so you were, uh, th- speaking of having thick skin, you're you're a Marine. Yep. Uh, I, I read it. I, I looked at the dates. It looked like you did eight, 10
1: Years, no, so four, 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 four years, yeah, okay. 95 to 99. And where were we stationed at? Um, I was put on Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Okay, and then I got attached to the second FSG forward, so which is a forward deployed maintenance unit. So, uh, never hit the sandbox or anything no. like that. I missed, I missed all that. I was uh Good. right after Desert Storm, right before Kosovo. Um, and then you know, I did Norway, I did a little time in Ireland at the sweet spot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. I don't know that I was in not to get political, but I was in during the Clinton era. So, yeah. so he wasn't doing anything for the military. So, right. uh, there was a hurry up and wait. I mean, yeah. I love the fact that I was a Marine, but God, it was a boring minute for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what?
0: You, you share a, a camaraderie with a, a group of guys that, uh, uh, most people don't get. Yeah. So it's very true. You've earned that,
1: you know, but it's fascinating and I appreciate that. And I, and, and, uh, I get often asked what being a Marine did for me in like corporate America and my business and life. And the truth is fucking nothing. Thick skin. Well, I mean, I had that before going in. I'm the youngest (laughs) of three boys. So yeah, I got two older brothers shit out of me as a kid, you know, but you know, what a lot of people don't understand is being a veteran means nothing in the civilian world. That's true. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, and uh I don't know. Unfortunate or not, I mean, yeah, we signed up and to go after the biggest craziest thing in the world and we're to put our lives in the line, but when you're eighteen years old you don't think that way. No. You know, you you're you're totally thinking, Oh shit, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna be when I grow up. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm damn sure not doing college. Right. You know, so military became the next option. That sounds cool, right? Right, right. You know, great like, uniforms. The chicks love it. So let's go that direction. And if you
0: don't believe that inner voice inside you at eighteen, then just talk to a recruiter. He'll walk you the rest <laughs> yeah, of the way. Right? That is absolutely There's true. There's your sleazy salesman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually
1: got a buddy that runs a national uh, sales training organization. And that's all he trains is the recruiters. Recruiters? Yeah. Oh no. So <laughs> <laughs> no, he's good too, yeah. Um but but you know once you hit the civilian world it's it's like coming out of college yeah. you got no experience you that's got right. nothing that's worth a clout mm-hmm. the difference being is we're not freaking a million dollars in debt with student loans right, you right. know yeah. um, and we just got to go start at ground zero whatever mm-hmm. and and work i mean Lucky for me, not so lucky for a lot of my buddies when they got out and a lot of the guys that get out now is I had a best friend that ran an HVAC company. So I had a job when I right. got out. Most guys, they're fucking lost. Yeah. I mean, you went in the military and you didn't know what you're going to do. You get out of the military, you still don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what you like because mm-hmm. you got no experience other than somebody else telling you what to do for four years, eight years, 20 years, whatever. So so now you've got to go through life trying to figure things out and it's a wild adventure.
0: When you were out processing did they have, at that time, whenever you were leaving, uh, some type of course to get your resume built? Or Dude, that was the most reference horrible,
1: you're... boring, pointless taps was... was <laughs> That's what, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> was was the worst thing. It, it, okay, so you have something where you're trying to teach guys to go into the civilian world, mm-hmm. taught by guys that have never been in the civilian world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're the ones telling you to write resumes, they're the ones you how to do interviews and all that. And I, I mean... It was like, I don't know, three days a week of, of out processing to go through all that. Yeah. And at that point, you're just ready to get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you turn off the noise. <laughs> and, and it's the only way to, I think, to fix the transitioning problem that we have with the military going to civilian world mm-hmm. is you've got to take these corporate CEOs into the military yeah. and let them take over the entire processing out section. Okay, yeah. Because if they're not the ones teaching it mm-hmm. and and getting these guys prepared, it's never going to change. What about somebody that's already made the cross?
0: Say so you take like an old rusty uh, first sergeant or...
1: Are you going to listen to him when you first get out? Who, um, me a, as a military guy or a CEO? Uh, I'm going to say, if you're going to take a, a any like an old military guy and you're trying to talk to a bunch of young bucks getting okay. out, yeah. are you going to listen to him?
0: Well, maybe if he's got the keys to the to the big job on the other side of the door, yeah, I
1: know me, I know I would have. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're way. probably right. <laughs> no way, you know. I mean, I I might have more respect for a CEO of a company sure. coming in. Uh, the old salty dogs, mm-hmm. you know, you can take the guy out the trailer, but you can't take the trailer <laughs> park out the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's it's a very much like that. I I. Would have had a better shot, I think, you know, CEO of Fortune 500, you know, comes in and going to get talk to us for two hours about how to navigate corporate America.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to pipe up a second. I got a lot more yeah. respect for that because when I was getting out, I'm like, these fuckers have been telling me what to do for four years. Just get me the hell out of here. Right. Yeah. Right. So you get out and you got a buddy with
0: an HVAC company. How long did you stick with that? Did you get tired of hot addicts real quick? Oh,
1: real quick. So, so they were actually based out of Richland Hills. And N R H or No Richland Hills. Okay. So right there off of ten. It's just south of that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh so I immediately signed on and became the, the grunt gopher you know, every shitty job they had, I was the guy that got it. Of course. So, you know, you're in the middle of Texas, climbing in Texas attics and underground. And, you know, this is back for Magnolia revamp. So all those old-ass houses with open wiring attics and Beautiful. crazy stuff, yeah. dude. It sucks so <laughs> bad. But uh, I was getting ready to quit because mm-hmm. I was just absolutely miserable. How long had you been there? Um, I I don't think I lasted three or four months before yeah. I was getting ready to quit. Yeah. And the owner, Jerry, walked up to me. He goes, you're getting ready to quit, aren't you? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, dude. I said, I can't do this. And he goes, why don't you try something for me? And I'm like, all right, what am I going to try? He goes, why don't you try sales? like, what the fuck is sales? (laughs) He goes, I'm going to hand you a bunch of pamphlets. You're going to go walk down this street and see if anybody needs HVAC service and get Mm -hmm. people to come in. And that was miserable, too. But he was paying me. Yeah, and I wasn't climbing in an attics and shit. There you go. So right, so there, there was an upside. Done deal. Right. Yeah. So I started doing it, and and long story short, that's the one biz- first real jump into sales, and we grew that business from about a two hundred thousand to about a four point one million dollar commercial company. Damn. Um, did that in about two two and a half years. Okay. Um, part of it was I didn't want to go back in attics. Yeah. So I knew if I sold shit, I could keep selling <laughs> shit. <laughs> Um, and we stumbled completely, wasn't even a good sale. We stumbled into a commercial job and that just opened up a shit ton more doors for us. Okay. So, um, that was a fun ride. Um, you know, learned a lot along the process, but, um, I was still a young punk ass kid. I mean, I'm 24. No, not even that old. I'm 23 maybe at that point. Yeah. You know, navigating. Now I'm a sales guy selling, you know, millions of dollars at that point. Mm Mm-hmm with no clue what the fuck we were doing.
0: (laughs) Did you have an opener like, hey, we just want to test your levels and make sure you got enough free on No,
1: no. I mean, for me, I was always, I'd I'd play on the heat. I'd walk up and, you know, Susie Homemaker would open the door and I'd like, ma'am, I know you don't want me to be here. I'm the last person you want to see, but can I get a glass of water? It is really hot. (laughs) And they would invite me in, right? And then I would just sit down and have a real conversation. I'm Mm -hmm. like, and and for me, we just figured out that if you sold maintenance contracts, you know, not even try and go after their system. Yeah, you go after maintenance contracts, and then you get them. You get them to agree to pay the, I don't know, it was like one hundred and sixty bucks a year, or whatever it was, just to come by change filters yeah, or yep, yep, yeah. and and check in and and everything else. And as soon as I get them to agree with that, I'm like, you okay if we bring a tech out and let them check the system now? Save save you money on yeah. your energy bill if yeah. it's running more efficient. And and, and but I mean. It was a little cheese dicky, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> if I really were honest and think back, that I'm sure. Sells. It's got to right. be. <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, getting them to to go, oh, well, I'm paying for this. I might as well have you guys look at it. And then if you found something, you're like, hey, you know, because you signed up, you know, here's the prices that you get. Here's what it would be if you wouldn't have signed up. Yeah. And, and we just started moving forward with that and and finding wins and finding successes. And, you know, people love to buy. They just don't want to be sold to. Yeah, so that makes sense. You know, so if you can get in and make a real connection with somebody, then then some good shit happens. Yeah. Problem with for me was once I got into the big money sales, my ego got in a fucking way. You know, especially Uh-oh. as I got bigger and bigger, you know, uh, uh, and I got really cocky, got really aggressive uh, as far as sales go, and yeah. it cost me later in my career. Oh, so I got recruited out of here to go up to St. Louis. Okay. And I went to work for a company at the time called Medicine Shop and they were a pharmacy franchise company. Okay. And I got put uh as part of the pharmacy franchise team or How sales team. How
0: did they find you?
1: Um I we actually there was used to be one of the pharmacies over in Halton City. Okay. And it was one of the commercial jobs we ended up winning. Uh-huh. Well, we were a very small HVAC outfit. We I mean there was four of us yeah well five if you counted you know my buddy's stepmom and <laughs> and you know uh the regional manager just happened to be there when we were doing the install and i'm the sales guy so of course i'm there and he goes how the fuck did you get this job
0: <laughs> jesus man we just met
1: <laughs> um i bring out the best in people um and and i i looked at him and laughed and i said to be honest the dude called me off a flyer I left on his door. Cause he wasn't there when I swung by some, some guy was there. So I left a flyer and the dude called me on it and I came in and we just had right place, right time. He goes, fucking well done. He goes, are you looking for other jobs? And, uh, I said, well, I'm always keep my options open. He goes, well, give me your number. Sure as shit. Two days later, he called me and said, can you be in St. Louis in a week? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, dude, I'm 23, 24 years old. I'm not married. I'm, Think I'm living in an apartment somewhere. Let's go. Yeah, hell yeah. Sign me up. So, flew up with my one suit that I owned. Um, I think I took two shirts because mom told me to take an extra shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, mom. Yeah, totally. And and you know, get in St. Louis to a whole panel interview, and
0: hmm.
1: you know they <laughs> they offered me my own car, my own condo, and a six figure, almost six figure. Draw base to come work for this company. Jesus, yeah, yeah dude, I'm I'm green as hell. I Have to no a 24 idea. Twenty four year old. Yep. Um, and one, I'm quick on my feet, mm. so I, I can talk pretty fast. And uh, two, I think they just saw that I was hungry to do something. Yeah, but that also made that chip on my shoulder a hell of a lot bigger. Because now I'm coming back to all my buddies, going, "Fuck you! Look what I'm doing now." Yeah, and. So I went up there and did find some tremendous success. We that was an eighty million dollar company um, that I went to work for. Um, in three years, we I was part of growing that to a hundred million dollar company. Um, and uh, during that ride, we were bought out by Cardinal Health, which sounds is familiar. Far, it's a Fortune five hundred based out of Ohio, massive company. Mm-hmm. And when they came in, like with most buyouts, the turnovers and everything else come through. So in that process. My cocky mouth bit off more than I should have, and they wanted to bring in their teams, and I was like, we got this, and long story short, I got corporate downsized, mm. which, you know, it's just polite terms of, they let my ass go. I yeah, got shit Yeah. Out, yeah. <laughs> so, came back um, to Texas, and with such a chip, on my shoulder, I'm like, dude, if I'm not like upper management in a company, and now, granted, I'm like 27 years old this point no i'm not even that 26 maybe Mm. and now i'm like my shit doesn't stink right like (laughs) it's the greatest thing ever and nobody will hire me because i'm going into these interviews just such a cocky attitude um and so i went six months trying to figure out what the hell to do and wasn't finding a job living back with mom and dad at this point that's humbling yeah (laughs) um and uh you know mom and dad are like dude you got to do something. You can't just sit here. You know, I I was legitimately working for work, but nothing was panning out. So all my friends from high school were bartending and waiting tables. Mm -hmm. So I went bartending and waiting tables. Yeah. Um, and did that for two years. Probably the best sales training I ever got. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I actually truthfully started off as a bouncer at the White Elephant Saloon. Mm-hmm. To to was my first place.
0: Is that down there on Exchange?
1: Yep, down there in Stockyards. Okay. Yep, it's uh, a CDs. You know, from uh, Walker Texas Rangers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd heard that. I didn't know if that was true. Yeah, the, the country singer Cody Jinks and I actually uh, sling drinks there for a long time. Okay. Um, good dude.
0: Let's get him on the show too.
1: Yeah, dude, I'd like to get in my mind. <laughs> he doesn't do interviews. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, he probably a good move. Yeah. So, um, but um, uh, from you know, I met my wife during that time, which was cool. But to summarize that longer story, make it shorter. I got hired out from behind one of the bars I was bartending at to go work for a company in North Fort Worth called Global Group, and okay. uh, they had they a commercial printing company and digital printing was just coming to the marketplace mm. and all their old timer sales guys didn't want to sell this new fandangled technology. So one of the gals who was my regulars is like, look, I know you got a sales background. I kept my resume underneath the bar top. Smart. Right. Cause I just knew I'd run into somebody, especially down there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, uh, she's like, you know, I've got all these guys that won't sell this technology. We've got millions of dollars worth of equipment on the floor. You know, we've got to sell it. She goes. I'm not going to pay anything, but would you come in and start up a division for me? And so, like pro bono, straight commission. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, not pro bono. Straight commission. <laughs> so I don't
0: even know if that's the right word, but it sounds like no money <laughs> is what it sounded like. Well, it was no
1: money out the gate, um, uh, and there was no no draw base, no no real anything with it. Yeah. Um, you know, if, take it back. I started off with like a 90-day run. They gave me like 90 days, you know, to figure this all out. And if yeah. I sold something within 90, you know, 90 days, they'd keep me. Um, the funniest thing out of all that, my first sale I ever did was to my mom.
0: Now, <laughs> whenever you, uh, I guess I'm not wrapping my head around what kind of equipment we're talking about here.
1: So, we did commercial printing. So, ink on paper. Yeah, So, I mean, clients, you think about any time you buy anything, instruction books come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we did brochures, catalogs, business cards, okay. just on massive scales. Okay. You know. So so very so large commercial print very, shop. Very, very, yeah. So, 165,000 square feet. Okay. Um, when I went to work for them, they were probably about a $28 million company. Okay. Okay, so. Um,
0: Is this still in North Fort
1: Worth? No, um, the building's still there. The business uh, got shut down during... Not long after the oh eight oh nine fiasco. That was rough, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the building's still there. And um, so I went to work for them knowing nothing about commercial printing. And not, not a So what did your mom buy? <laughs> so she worked for an eye doctor down in the hospital district. Okay. And they had, you know, just business cards and, like, these order forms. So I go in and sit down with mom. And I said, Mom... I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got to make a sale. <laughs> right, that's my sale. Today's your lucky day, right? Man. And she goes, "Okay, you want to get me out of your house? Here's how we do that." <laughs> yeah, totally. And and so she hands me her business card and goes, "Give me a price." Not even know how to do that, right? So I go back to the office and I'm like, "Cool, I've got a you know an order." I thought I had an order, Um, and I said, "You know, mom needs some business cards." My boss Jane laughed. She goes, "Oh, you know, it's something." <laughs> She goes, that's not exactly what I was expecting, but it's something. So I get the pricing. I call mom up and I'm like, Hey, I've got, you know, some pricing. So when do you want to start on a business card? She goes, well, what's the price? And so I told her the price. She goes, "Yeah, I'm not paying that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Shit, my own mom beat me up on price." <laughs> so what was the? What was? You it was around fifty Ballpark? bucks. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't even. She wasn't going to throw fifty bucks. No. Well, it wasn't her money, right? So she right. worked for another company, and and they already had a relationship with a commercial printer, oh, and okay. they had friends with you know. So I had to go (laughs) crawling back to my boss going, my mom won't pay that price. (laughs) So, uh, you know, uh, you know, ultimately we did get the deal and I don't know what she paid for it, but it was a lot less than $50 and that, you know, that was my first sale. And then, you know, from there we just started growing I started figuring out sales, started learning to network and. Uh, get into Fort Worth a lot more at that point, and you know, before it was all said and done, I don't know. I think we, I, my division was doing about six million dollars in commercial print sales, just out uh, of things like stationery. Yeah, so cards. Mary Mary Kay Corporate was my largest account of the two million dollars. They're account. out of Plano, right? Um, they're North, off the Tollway. a yeah. um, uh, cool building if you yeah, ever get a chance. To yeah, walk I've in seen there. it. That's why I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and all underneath it is all the the Cadillacs and everything. Oh, because, really? Yeah, underneath the building, there's a whole extra little garage thing in there where they're all kept. Um, but uh, you know, for them, they had like six hundred fifty thousand pink ladies across the world. Mm-hmm. Every one of them ordered business cards
0: for anybody that doesn't know what a pink lady is. That's that's, that's somebody, the Mary Kay reps, right? They have sold an astronomical
1: amount of makeup. Oh, ridiculous! To all these Karens, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Karens, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it was it's like one summer, a uh, uh, one week of so, uh, every year. The pink ladies from all over the world descend on Dallas, and it becomes Mary Kay hell.
0: But it's like it—it's a status thing. Like they have to sell like I—I I think a oh, million yeah, I mean, dollars worth of makeup in order to get that stupid nah, pink the, car. There's,
1: there's different levels. There's different levels, right? right? But
0: the pink car is like
1: that's up there, right? Um, you, you, the pink Cadillac is up oh, there. Oh, Okay, right? There's other levels and versions underneath that. Different they have tiers like of cars. A pink Mazda Miata, or probably. You know, <laughs> for me, they probably had a pink moped. I mean, <laughs> you know, but. But much respect for the gals that that, that can pull that level oh, off, sure. you know, uh, and get there. You know, but you think about it, 650,000 reps across the world. It's a lot. We developed a, a way that, that these reps could go online. This is before you could order business cards online or anything else. Mm-hmm. We basically built the, not the first, but one of the first, you know, online ordering sites. But it yeah. was just for Mary Kay. This is...
0: Really chasing a rabbit, but um, Mary Kay and Amway, I think, are the first ones to set up the uh, pyramid type uh, sales uh,
1: model, right? Yes, in my opinion, one of the biggest scams on a face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they they streamlined it and they made it a. a they thing. did and well, it, and here's why it's this. I mean, it sounds like you helped.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there, there is some legitimacy to the business. I don't want to completely throw them under the bus. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're they're, they're making. Huge millions of dollars the problem is is they're taking people with no business prowess no sales ability and uh, the people believe that they're being taught that they can make millions of dollars overnight yeah the same thing is happening in the entrepreneur space now it is you know everybody thinks i can be an entrepreneur business owner and you know 30 days later i'm making millions and i'm instagram famous yeah um uh Nobody tells them about the hard work, the ass kicking they're going to take, the teeth getting kicked in, that once you get past mom and dad and your families and friends, oh, shit, you legitimately got to go sell. Yeah. you know, and If and grow you're not business. growing, you're dying. Right. Real quick. And and, and <laughs> the unfortunate side of that is they do that. They go get mom and dad. You know, it's a lot of like a lot of these financial firms. You know, they hire these young kids, 18, 20 years old. They go sell them. they get mom and dad. They get a brother and a sister. And then nobody teaches them how to grow beyond that. Yeah. So they get out and the corporate company benefits from it. Oh, yeah. You know, and now... they got all your startup... Yep. All, all your startup yeah. costs, all the all products yeah. that
0: you brought them. Yeah.
1: And now they keep growing as a corporation and you end up bad-mouthing the, the whole thing. And, you know, I, anything that costs you 300 bucks to get going to start a business probably isn't going to work out for most people. Get what you pay for A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and once again, it's not knocking it, but yeah. you know, it took me 18 months, almost two years into growing a business before I figured out how to be a fucking business owner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it cost me a shit ton of money along the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not cheap being the, being the boss. Right. Right. So, you know, uh, more power to them, but man, there's a lot easier ways to really try and go make a living. So, you're uh, you're you're
0: designing part of the program for Mary Kay. You're you're selling uh, all this stationary and printable things to multiple businesses around the DFW area.
1: Yeah, primarily we had a couple out of state, but primarily in DFW. Okay, you know, um, then of course O eight O nine hit, Boom. Um, and we. The company as a whole made some bad business dealings. Yeah. Um, Right before the crash happened, we ended up buying this $4 million piece of printing equipment Mm. that we couldn't sell. I mean, all of us tried, nobody could sell the stuff because it was, it was a very unique printing way. It was basically a newspaper type printer. That could only print certain things. And there was companies with 20, 30 of these machines that we were trying to go up head to head with. And we just couldn't not even on price but quality it was it was a mess so it's like they took a big bet oh, at the wrong time it was <laughs> it was it was it was a, it was a really bad business move yeah. and that catapulted on top of the bad business and a couple of other businesses they tried to purchase and some so things went south pretty quickly and a lot of us held on trying to make the turn but by 2011 um my wife and I decided okay we've got to find something Enough's to, enough yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're fighting a sinking ship and uh, I literally jumped on LinkedIn and I don't, I, to this day, I don't know why I typed this in, but I typed in sales training. <laughs> I'd never been a trainer, never really wanted to be a trainer. And, but that's what I typed in and Sandler training popped up a uh, guy locally here named Scott Sherwin, who's still here. He's a base out of Arlington and uh, I went in and interviewed and, you know, Next day, he offered me their job, and I went in back to Global and put my notice in. And uh, they weren't really surprised to see me go. Their biggest concern was, who would I turn my business over to internally? Talking about all your contacts yeah, and the people yeah, you've yeah. built relationships with. Um, and I didn't like who they were giving them to, so I called up my biggest competitor and said, you know, we've been friends for a while. Want a good chunk of business? Oh, my God. And m- moved <laughs> a, a lot of that business over there. That friend then became my first uh, sales training client. Nice. So um, uh, it was a pretty cool uh, setup and maneuver. Um, but um, uh, did Sandler for seven years. That's that's really how I got plugged into forward probably the most. Um, I hit the 40 under 40. I did uh ran ton of networking for the chambers and different organizations and sat on several nonprofit boards. It was a fun run for seven years, you know. What was your position there? Um the so sales trainer? So I actually no I started off just as a sales guy. Okay. I didn't want to be a trainer. Um I just wanted to go sell and Scott didn't need a sales trainer. He just needed a sales guy. So so think about well McDonald's is a is a franchise that sure. people do. Sandler's the same way So individuals who have enough money to buy a store, if you will, um, in this case, it's a training center, um, can be a quote-unquote business owner. What was the entry cost for that? I think for Sandler's around $150,000. So it's a good chunk of change to get into it. Um, And uh, Scott's got a cool story of how he got into it and everything. but. Um, in doing that, um, and going to work for him, it was hands down the toughest sale I ever did in my life, really? you know, cause now, um, hell I don't remember how old I was, but I'm having to sit across from CEOs of companies and convince them I'm the guy that can train their salespeople. A little intimidating. Yeah, it can be. I mean, you know, cause salespeople, good salespeople tend to be a little bit cocky, you know. Have for a chip sure. on their shoulder, and now I've got to be the guy to go handle a room full of cocky jackasses, you and, know, and at the top the, of their game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So it was it was unique. It was probably the second greatest learning experience of my life, and um, it was a lot of fun for for, for seven years. And you know, uh, eventually, we the business grew enough that Scott needed me to do some sales training. So I did. I ended up becoming a trainer with him, who sold, still sold because you can't train without selling. Cause otherwise, you got nobody to sell. You know, nobody to train to. So, did that until September of 2017, and I decided to jump out of my own and launch Success Champions. And now you're uh, doing a lot of consulting work with other
0: organizations. And
1: yeah, a lot of organizations, a lot of individuals. I mean, it's it was a hodgepodge. I mean, when I launched Success Champions, I wanted to be the next you know Tony Robbins. I wanted to be the next motivational speaker. I mean, that yeah. was the direction I was heading. And what I didn't understand during that process is locally, a lot of damn people knew who I was, Yeah, you know, <laughs> and a great plan, but outside of Fort Worth, not a fucking soul knew who I was. <laughs> so, um, and I wasn't really prepared for the amount of work that it was going to take to, you know, become that type of person. Um, so, during the first runs of the business, you know, I was doing anything I could to make money. And I was also under a non-compete from Sandler training Ouch. that I couldn't do sales training. And that's, that's the only thing I knew was sales. <laughs> so I I was a business consultant. I, you know, did some graphic design. I did some social. I mean, anything I could think of to try and make some money, mm-hmm. knowing that once I got past that one-year commitment, that I could go back to doing what I was good at. So, right. um at about 6 months into running the business i had the unfortunate thing of going in and walking it up to my wife and going babe we're about to fucking lose everything you know uh you know we had our farm out in hazel uh, i would build a second house on the property for my in-laws and i had no clue how to be a business owner yeah you know for 20 years i'd been a sales guy for somebody else yeah and you know, I never understood that being that sales guy for somebody else was was somebody always telling me what to do, you know. Yeah. I never had to really think for myself, you know. And, you know, here I was, you know, spending every dime we had. We had gotten almost three months behind on a mortgage. You know, the cars they were talking about, repoing them. It was gnarly, dude. I, had, I mean, I was just that upside down in business. And when I looked at my wife and said, babe, we're about to lose everything, She looked at me and said, you better get off your ass and go sell something. (laughs) You know, so I started uh, right around January 2018. um, Things started to see a little bit of light. We were getting some deals in. And then uh, in April of 2018, um, God, where was the speech at? One of the conference centers. Um, Here in Fort Worth? Yeah, yeah. I gave a speech at an event, and I told my wife, I said, look, when I go to this and I give the speech, I'm gonna leave it all on the stage. I'm going Bruce Springsteen style, man, just fucking going all in. If something happens from it, I'll keep running the business. If nothing happens from it, fuck it, I'll shut it down and go get a sales job because I can get a sales job anywhere. Yeah. And she said, okay. So I went, and when I walked off stage, I was fucking whooped, man, because I'd given everything. I was running across the stage, just getting carried away, at everything. And this guy walked up to me. Um, and his podcast is no longer in existence, so I won't say his name. But um, he walked up to me and said, dude, I love your story. I love your energy. Would you come tell your story on my podcast? And I said, well, what the fuck's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this is 2018.
0: 2018. And you don't know what a podcast is? No clue. Is? No clue. Well, you're in good company. It's like yeah, most of the world. Most now. of the world still.
1: And so he explained. He's like, dude, it's like news talk radio. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. He goes, well, come tell your story. I'm like, cool, I'll do that. So I went jumped on his podcast and it aired a couple days later. And literally was after it aired, like two different companies reached out to me and said, Hey, can we talk to you about some consulting work, some business development stuff and everything else? I'm like, well, yeah. And then I went, wait, I can go on podcast and get real clients <laughs> out of there. Hold my beer and watch this shit. <laughs> so I made a mad dash. And um, uh, somebody found it once upon a time that months you know, like it was like 30 days and I was on like 67 different podcasts. Yeah. I just went bananas. Yeah. um, And I got on one podcast that was just really bad. It was fucking horrid. And the guy's show is still around, so I won't say his name either. He's local here too. You have to tell me after we get done. Yeah, I totally. When I turn the recording <laughs> yeah. off, I want to know. Um, and uh, his show was so bad that I finally was like, all right, fuck it, man. If this guy can have any success, I'm launching my show. <laughs> So in May of twenty eighteen is when I launched the Success Champions podcast. It hit the top three hundred on iTunes three months in. I it saw. top uh, two hundred overall in fucking I don't know three four months after that. Um,
0: yeah, I uh, not to cut you off, but I since we're on that subject, I always make little notes in case I I have a guest that I get hung up on and don't know where to go with the conversation. But uh, where is it? Where is it? Yeah, let's see. Just went on a podcast called Doing the Thing. Doing the
1: Thing podcast was just that one. Yep.
0: yep. And uh in his description, and I don't Oh, there it is. Title says you're on the top 200 iTunes yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's so a,
1: that's a that's a So right big now big Thank you. Um right now they say there's over 2 million podcasts in the marketplace. Is it already
0: up to 2 million?
1: Yeah, it blew up because of COVID.
0: Right. Well, I mean it, right yeah. before COVID it was like at 8 800,000. Yeah. yeah, they're saying. Jesus. I right. haven't seen an
1: official report that says that. Yeah. But, but I've heard a couple of other podcasters throw that number out there. Damn. So it's somewhere between 800,000 and 2 million. So <laughs> that's the best you know. Um, but the flip side of that is of those podcasts. So I, I don't want to discourage anybody from thinking about launching a podcast. Right. Is last year, four and a half million books were written. Yeah. You know, and so podcasts are still behind the scenes. And if you look at traditional podcasts, um, most of those shows haven't launched a show, an episode in the last year. Yeah. So there's only really about probably two hundred to 500,000 active shows. Yeah, and I, I dug into those analytics too, and it
0: looked like the reason I am launching this one with 10 episodes up front is because I can't remember the percentage. It was 80% or higher of podcasts don't make it to 10 episodes.
1: Yeah, so the way we always looked at it, you know, especially as we grew, that we wouldn't help people get on podcasts unless they had more than ten episodes. Oh, okay. We didn't legitimatize a podcast until they hit a hundred. Damn. And you were more legendary if you got over two. Yeah. Right? Because that's a lot of work. And have you hit three hundred yet? No, we're I dropped two thirty six this morning. Nice. You know, so um we I dude, I was an idiot when I first launched the show. That's okay. So John Lee Dumas, right? You know, two years from now, you're going to look back and say you're an idiot now probably. Oh, of course. Of <laughs> course. Of course. That just that shows, shows growth. growth. All right, yeah. it's how you learn everything. So John Lee Dumas, um, I didn't know at the time he was running a daily show. But I'm like, dude, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to go all out. So I launched a daily show freaking, I think we did Monday through, excuse me, Monday through Friday. And I knew I had to set a massive trap in myself to, to keep me doing this. So I'd set my Fridays up. I was doing nine interviews every Friday, every hour, no lunch breaks, no anything, just recording. You sit across from people. This gets exhausting. After I a just
0: while. did it, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I only did four. I picked a Sunday. I did four. Some of them were an hour and a half. I think one of them was only thirty minutes. But man, it wears your ass oh, it out. It does. And it, I did the it's same mentally. Thing. No exhausting. lunch. Yep. Just all the way through. Ruger, the big dog. He was. He just wouldn't shut up. So, I mean, that's, that's, this is his house, man. We're yeah. guests in his house. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally.
1: You know, um, but uh, part of the reason the show I think took off is we put out a massive amount of content, yeah. you know, cause even me nowadays, I'll go search for a podcast cause people search podcasts just like you do, like, you know, audible or Google, right? You know, you go look for a topic you want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just found this book marketing podcast. I'm like, cool. I've got a, my second books fixing to come out, you know, second book I've done solo author I've got four books in a marketplace now but um and I'm like cool book marketing I'm into it and all their episodes were 12 to 15 minutes which is cool it was quick consumption mm-hmm. but I'm already at the end of their show yeah and I'm like well fuck now there's nothing else to listen to I've got to go find something else right so there there is definitely people consume podcasts like Netflix yeah and yeah. I know
0: I binge it too um uh, my day job I'm driving a truck and I'll go from eight hours to fifteen hours behind the wheel. Um and the whole time I'm just listening to podcasts. Oh dude,
1: you listen to Work Life by Adam Grant yet? I don't know. I don't oh, think so. Dude. Is that listen, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally into his podcast. Um I've I've listened to every episode. Where's he out of? Um I don't He's out of one of the big universities. So he's I don't know a, why he, that's so important to me, he, but I'd like to know where people are coming from. Well, you know, one of the things I hate about St. Louis, uh, and this is real, and they still do it. When you meet somebody in St. Louis in town, the first question they ask you is, what high school did you go to? And the, if you, my answer was always, you wouldn't know it. I went in Fort Worth, Texas. They had nothing to do with you at that point. <laughs> they couldn't put you in some sort of category. Right. Because <coughs> oh, Excuse me. You know, St. Louis is broken up into like four quadrants, north, south, east, and west, and depending on which quadrant you're in was how much money you had. Okay, yeah. You know, and now like they couldn't put me in some sort of quadrant, so they didn't know how much money I had, so they didn't know if I was of value to them or not. So it was miserable up there, um, in that regards. (coughs) But um Do you want Uh, something to drink? Yeah, water'd be awesome actually. Let me get that. You gotta edit this shit anyway. Oh yeah. No
0: problem.
1: No, nah, we were just going to the farm. I had to go uh, pick up all these shirts today. So, um, Big Frog over in Montgomery Plaza. Jackie Pierce is the yeah, owner. Yeah,
0: they did some uh, work for me. Uh, well, I still had my landscaping business. We did uh, the Home and Garden Television, and I had a bunch of shirts made up by them.
1: Yeah, Jackie's cool. I really like her. So, um, I don't remember what the fuck we were talking about now. Yeah, we, we were talking
0: about St. Louis, different quadrants. They oh, and podcast, and podcast. On podcast. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, you know, but with Adam, you know, he's one of those. Uh, what's he say? He says he's a. Uh, uh, his, his mission is to make work suck less. Okay. So he's really focused on helping people enjoy work more. And, and that's, you know, really aimed at more the employees and the companies and stuff. But, the, but the, it's, I'm fascinated with how he breaks shit down. Mm-hmm. Um, and the research the guy puts into the stuff to to turn things in his head. And Tell me the name of that again. It's called Work Life, Work Life. with Adam Grant. Freaking brilliant. And and right now, in my opinion, the best edited show in the marketplace. Okay. Um, he just puts a lot of his format's brilliant, even down to his commercials. His commercials in the show are mini podcasts. So where does he put them? Does he front, back, mid? They're they're, they're mid rolls. Um, but. Instead of, and he tells you, he goes, this is going to be a different type of podcast. And he literally goes into these, like Chase is one of his sponsors, and he finds a Chase Bank. Yep. He finds a badass story inside of Chase, and he runs a mini podcast. Full detail, the history, the storytelling style. It is fucking
0: legit. Well, it's good that he tells you that it's coming, because I I've. You, you hate
1: it when they're right in the middle, all of a sudden it drops. You're well, like, oh. I've,
0: you know, I'll be checking out a new podcast and I'll be into the story. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, oh Jesus Christ. It's an advertisement. Like yeah, you it's just like, find it's, yourself in the yeah. middle of a mid roll and you're, you weren't expecting it. Yep. yep. It's very annoying to me. So. Yeah, yeah no, it is. <laughs> I mean,
1: but I think a lot of people don't respect the, the editing for the audience, mm-hmm. right? There, there's over editing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, over-editing to me is like watching an overtrained speaker. Yeah. You know, um, they're a fucking robot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love bagging on Toastmasters, you know. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, we just had a
0: guest come on that was two episodes ago. Uh, she talked about Toastmasters to no
1: end. So, Well, you know, here's the truth. Toastmasters is good for about their first 10 meetings oh, or right. their first 10 tracks that they do because uh-huh. it will tell, help people learn to get to speak and it will help them... You know, get up and give... For that, absolutely fucking amazing. But these assholes that go compete and stuff, it is horrible. Because they're they're, they're robots. Um, (laughs) I I did a keynote in Dallas for a podcast convention, and the guy who went on before me, Mm -hmm. literally the gal who booked him, uh, she came back to me and she goes will you do me a favor? This guy is such a fucking robot. Will you unleash when you get up there on stage? <laughs> because every step, every maneuver, I mean, he, he they, they, they teach this blocking thing where you walk to this portion of the stage and then you make this yeah. gesture. And then you walk to this portion of the stage and you make this, and it's just so unnatural for people. Yeah. You, you look like that, that that robot off of Will Rogers or some shit. and And this guy was just so... Over the top. I mean, every phrase, every statement was choreographed. I mean, it was it was fucking horrible. And and so when I got up there, you know, of course me, I walked to the front of the stage and like, all right. Well that was fucking crazy. Where are all my badasses <laughs> at? <laughs> really that, broke up yeah, the yeah, ice. Yeah, that, did everybody yeah. started applauding. Right, well, they did. They went fucking nuts for a little while. But the <laughs> gal afterwards she goes, I didn't mean for you to start off that way necessarily like saying, Well, that was fucking crazy. I but. wanna
0: tell you why I'm cringing over here. Um the uh uh, self-published author uh Nitu Rishi that came on for uh episode 9 she has won a bunch of uh <laughs> awards from Toastmasters and she's she's very proud of it so we're getting two different aspects <laughs> of this you know so anyway um she was a fabulous guest and I can't wait to have her on again but um mm-hmm. so yeah I I told her I I knew the name Toastmasters but I didn't know anything about it so she explained
1: it her way and you've explained it it, you know it goes back to if if you're somebody who's really shy you Uh, don't know how to get on stage you know how to talk in front of people go i mean and it's a a great way to learn um i just don't think many of them are gonna hit the big times yeah and you imagine gary v being choreographed (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no i can't i wanted to ask you this though
0: um with you being in the military, uh, uh, do Marines call them NCOs, non-commissioned officers? Yes, yes, yep. Okay. Um, did, did, uh, did you make it to that level? I made it to a Corporal E4. Okay, so, so, so you're talking in front of groups uh, during your time in the military.
1: Uh, I didn't, so okay. I wasn't the most squared away marine in the in in the world. There goes my theory, because I I was thinking maybe you had some experience. No, nah. nah, um, I think being a bartender. Oh, okay. Helped. I think being a sales guy helped. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think being. I don't know. I'm a I'm a center of attention guy. You're, but you wouldn't credit that for your, your military experience. I don't think so. Yeah. Um. I I think the biggest thing military taught me was grit, patience, yeah. you know, you know, and, <laughs> and the being too dumb to give up, <laughs> Amen. Yeah. you know, so, um, and thank God I had that to keep my business alive, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it, it attributed a lot to, because I only picked up corporal like six months before I got out. Okay. And my, my staff sergeant was straight off the drill field, and he was just this over-the-top, you know, squared-away guy. And he hated me. And <laughs> traditionally, you get this whole ceremony when you pick up NCO, and it's a big deal. And this motherfucker hated me so bad, he walked up, threw the chevrons at me, and said, I don't know how the fuck this happened, but you're now a corporal." Oh, my <laughs> God. That was my Jesus. that was my promotion ceremony. So um, all my buddies uh, were laughing their ass off. And, of course, I got freaking... Beat the shit out of that night by all the sergeants <laughs> and everything else above <laughs> me. But uh, that that was that was my entire promotion ceremony. Um, Beautiful, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't get to do a whole lot of the the NCO stuff. Yeah. To to stand in front of the troops. I mean, well, that might be why you didn't re up, right? <laughs> dude, well there's a lot of reasons <laughs> I didn't re. I mean, I literally it was in the, the four years with nothing going on. So there yeah. was a lot of pointless gear inspections and and just. Shit that was that was absolutely miserable, and I still got some great friends that that I talked to, and yeah. and, and I'm not, you know, taken away from my time in the military. But mm-hmm. we are a military. And yeah, you're not doing some sort of maneuvers. Life sucks. Yeah, you
0: know. Did you ever that? Uh, I- your uh, individual training was for uh, maintenance on yeah vehicles? motor T motor T. I worked on is, five is that tund- wheeled or yeah yeah okay. not tracked. So I worked on hummers and five tons. Does that put you in nice places like Twenty Eight Palms? No, anything? actually I didn't hit or, the stumps. Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah, Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah.
1: or we, we called it Twenty Nine Stumps. But no, I didn't make it there. So <laughs> um, I made it to Camp Lejeune, and and there, which is Camp Lejeune, is the biggest shithole in the world. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about. I'm sure most military towns like this but the town population is like 4000. Mm-hmm. We had 40,000 Marines. Yeah. You know, on that particular base. That makes for a crowded Applebee's. Oh. If they had an Applebee's, <laughs> I don't think they did. Um I mean it was dive bar, titty bar, you know, pawn shop, church. Yeah. You know, um that 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 was the out of town and probably and a couple of questionable barbershops. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> massage parlors. Right. But, um, and you didn't want to date any girls in town because they were a Sergeant Major's daughter or a captain's daughter, you know, you know, so, so you stayed away from the women for the most Good part. way to die. Yeah. yeah. Real quick. <laughs> One of my buddies ended up dating the, the Sergeant Major at Cherry Point's daughter for a little while. That was crazy. Uh. Um, you know, but, uh, then, you know, I got put with a forward, so I got to go to Norway and Ireland and, well, that was, I mean, that was a good time, yeah, you know, because you're getting out of the country, you see a different place, and um, realize that Americans as a whole walk around with a chip on their shoulder, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty wild when you go to these other countries, and some of them love you, most of them love you, but you saw how arrogant and cocky we are as Americans over in these other areas, I think. You know, uh, a lot of problems in the U.S. would be solved right now if people would go visit other countries and realize For how sure. fucking good we got it. And I tell people <laughs> that all the time. Like if
0: you, people that just they have that, uh, well, you see it on Facebook and social media. People with strong opinions but no real experience to back up yeah. those opinions. Yeah. It's like you need to get out. Yes, you need to. You, people that have stayed in the same county their entire lives. Or how much character do you think you have? Right. Go. Right. Go somewhere. Go anywhere. Yep. Even if it's wrong, just go.
1: <laughs> well, and, you know, but people get in their safe bubbles and and, sure. and and they're in that safe bubble. And then so anything that threatens that idea of that safe bubble, that's that's when all the chaos happens. Yeah. Well, then just, you know,
0: stay in your safe bubble. Yeah. yeah. Shut your mouth, maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> I'm 100% for that. I mean, if more people would shut the hell up, we wouldn't have some of the problems. Read a book, get a passport. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well,
0: um, we're an hour in, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about success champion before we go anywhere. So that's kind of where the story was leading up to, right? You start the podcast, you've got your business. Uh, everything was kind of slowing down. You're not making enough money to really support the family. And then, uh, you went on this podcast and got picked up.
1: Yeah. So when the podcast took off, um, I wasn't prepared for it. Um, I, I, you know, it's one of those things you kind of hope happens, but you don't know. Right? Um, but I was, you know, having some big name people getting starting to reach out to be on the show, and um, I went, "Fuck, man! If this thing's really going to take off, I got to get my shit together." <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what
0: what do you mean by that? Like, you, it's a podcast, so. You Obviously, you're already podcasting. You've got that shit together.
1: Yeah, but now you're coordinating with multiple people to get some of these bigger talent on. You're coordinating with their schedules. You know, your your setup's got to be spot. It it was just more, I mean, for me... Lots of moving pieces. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, now, you know, it's no big deal for me. But then I'm like... And these guys can't walk into some sort of wicked ass shit show and, and, yeah. and sit down and have this conversation. And then I've got to be able to market it. Because now I've got, you know, Shaylene Johnson coming on, Neil Patel coming on, and I got some of these names and it was one of those things like, Fuck man, if I'm gonna do this, you know, I've gotta make them look like fucking rock stars. Of course, that's that's the entire yep. mission, right? Yep. And so it means I had to start hiring teams because we were doing graphics and shit that I didn't know how to do. Um, we man. were <laughs> so I mean when the podcast was fully in its prime, I mean, it's still very successful, but we were really pushing for the charts, which the charts are irrelevant. But when we were pushing for the charts, I mean, I had 10 people on the team. Damn it, dude. Yo,
0: know, so I've always been baffled by that. You know, the, even the show that I probably listen to the most,
1: JRE, he's got a team of people. He's got on seven. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think about, you know. Um, he's got Jamie. Who else does he need? <laughs> well, I mean. So it, it depends. Like for me, getting guests on my show is the easiest thing in the fucking world. Yeah. Always has been because I just understand that people need exposure and I got it, right? And yeah. I don't care who you are at the podcast. Getting guests should be the easiest fucking thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's what you do after the show that brings all the value. Sure. You know, and and I don't bring hardly celebrities on the show or anything anymore because they bring no fucking value. Yeah. Because all their people have already heard their story. Right. All you're doing is growing their audience. Yeah. You know, but when you bring on somebody who nobody knows, man, they're fucking stoked. They're like, oh my God, I was on a podcast and they tell the world about your show. Yeah. Right. So fun hack. But <laughs> <laughs> that one's free. <laughs> you know, but, but it, it, in, in doing that, I mean, we were producing so much content for these guests. We were, ooh, you can have the sound of freedom, Google. That's all right.
0: Yeah. We're, uh, we're right in line for the, uh, carswell flight path so oh it's they, now
1: jrb you're showing your age a little bit Oops. <laughs> yeah that's that either an f-35 f-16
0: f-18 uh, yeah i think that's, c-130 no that's, uh, definitely that's not a no 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 no, no. <laughs> you'd
1: hear the props but yeah, you know, around here um our farm out nasal mm-hmm. is right in the same flight path man and and they get out by us those c-130s i swear i could hit with a baseballs oh the yeah way? they fly low yeah. they got a real long displaced yes. uh, final for yeah. sure, like a fifteen mile long final. That's crazy, but you know we were packaging up this huge social media packages for every guest. You know, so they were getting micro clips and posts for every platform. So we were breaking all this up and laying it all out, and we were doing a daily podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, so Damn. so we had a ton of moving parts. So at least one a day, and
0: then every once in a while, you do nine in a day.
1: Nine recordings, You're right? Right, but we were releasing a show every oh, day. Oh, okay, yeah, right? for sure. So, And we came down with this whole process where you don't start marketing a show that you release on the day you release it right. because all your subscribers have already been notified. Yeah, You wait two days later and you hit one platform, then another platform, then another platform, and you slowly roll it out, and it causes this cool cascade effect. And then you tell your guests how, what their schedule is to get it out, and mm-hmm. they're excited because you just gave them a whole bunch of social content. Right. So I had people coordinating our social media, their social media, all the graphics, the audio engineering. And then we were still trying to do business consulting and everything on the side. So right. um, there was, you know, just a lot of moving parts. And So you
0: went from, honey, I don't know what we're going to do, to, holy crap,
1: we're going to have to push vacation back five years. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I tell everybody, podcasting saved the business because it taught me business. I mean, okay. Um, when you've got to work with that many employees, not employees, they're all ten ninety nines, but that many staff, um, and you've got to coordinate all of them, plus all these guests, you know, you you learn a lot. Um by and, necessity, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it, you know, I had to learn, you know, accounting and finance for the business and all that stuff that you that they don't tell you about about being a business owner. Yeah. You know, being a business owner is just fun. You pick whatever hours you wanna work, put your feet up and money just rolls in. Yeah, right. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, but but uh, in in doing that, that's when business for me started really getting fun because I was starting to figure things out. And uh, an interesting thing really happened is people started asking me specifically, like, you know, how did I scale and grow the business? How was I, you know, finding the success I was? Um, and then, of course, other people were like, I always knew you'd be able to pull it off. You're like, where the fuck were you, freaking? <laughs> <ago?"> you know? <laughs> Could have used a little encouragement, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and and so people started asking, you know, about how I was growing the business and the teams and everything. So I started teaching a lot of that. Um, um, and that's actually what got me to Ireland. Um, I did a nine city t- uh, speaking tour in, in Ireland. Nine cities?
0: Mm-hmm. Ireland has nine cities. Yeah, dude. They uh, <laughs> they're
1: not big. Yeah. Um, um, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, going around all these little. I want to go back so
0: bad. I, I had a
1: layover bad. there one time, so I got to see the. Uh, from Shannon, I think. Airfield. Yeah, best. If you're going to fly in Ireland, you got to fly into the Shannon. Little
0: bitty stone yeah. uh, fence sways or whatever. Oh, so you were stayed up were. on the
1: west coast then. So On the east? I just c- remember it was Shannon Airport. Uh, yeah, yeah. Airport. If you saw the big stone walls and everything, you stayed on the west side of it. They Ireland. were the little ones. They oh. were the little ones
0: that, that, whenever I think of Ireland, I think of those little stone walls keeping yeah. the sheep in. Yeah, stuff, yeah,
1: yeah. So, anyway, um, that's a cool. I mean, the only portion of Ireland we didn't make was the n- southwest corner. Um, we we hit every other portion of it. Yeah, um, you probably flew into that airport. It, it was Shannon. It was definitely yeah, Shannon. Yeah. Um, and we flew, We purposely flew into Shannon because we spent a day in Dublin. And if you've been to any big city, you've been to Dublin. Really? You know, it, it's There's just no point in going. Um, and at least for us, I mean, put us back out in the countryside. So that that was fun. But um, and I started doing a lot more speaking. And a lot of people were asking me about podcasting. So I did a lot of speaking on podcasting and everything else. But um, as the podcast continued to grow, we launched the Facebook group, um, and the Facebook grew and we launched the magazine. Um, the magazine took off and I think we're at like 10,000 subscribers on the magazine now. Wow. Um, and things just kind of kept building. Well, in my Facebook group called success champions every Friday night at four o'clock I do champions happy hour where I literally sit with a glass of rum and just kind of rant about whatever the fuck's going on. <laughs> Sometimes I bring a guest in. and sl- to check that out. Oh, dude, it's yeah. fun. It's fun. Um, I've done stupid giveaways and all kinds of crazy shit on it. But um, during one of those happy hours, there's a lot of people local here in Fort Worth. Um, they're like, hey, we should do a get-together. Just kind of do the Success Champions get-together. I'm like, all right, that could be fun. And which... All of a sudden, they started calling it DonnieCon. I'm like, no, 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 no. We are not doing anything <laughs> called DonnyCon. Um, Did it stick? No. Um, because it, you're kind of bringing
0: it back right now. No, no, no.
1: It got changed <laughs> to the Badass Business Summit real quick. <laughs> real quick. Um, and so we rented out the Hearst Convention Center. And Where's that at? North Fort Worth. Well, I know where Hearst is. So it's right there on Pipeline and uh, 820. Okay, yeah. Uh, Northeast Mall area yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, next to iFly further down further down further down so you if you're going from downtown iFly you'll pass it on the left by the putt-putt and all that it's going to be northeast malls right there the freeway is going to turn the first exit there okay so um, literally I think that's 183 and pipeline everyone okay but um, great gorgeous convention center and so we rented the whole place out and I was flying in speakers from all over the world to awesome um, what year was this uh, 2020 so this was happening april 3rd 4th and
0: 5th right in the middle
1: of covid then covid hit <laughs> well i mean april i mean yeah. COVID was hot in april well we didn't shut down the summit or postpone it until late march we finally called it um the city of Hearst had finally told the convention center, you know, hey, you're shutting everything down. So, so when did you hold your summit? We didn't. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So it, um, uh, they closed it up and we postponed it till September. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I'm like, how did you get yeah, no, 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 flying no, people no, in? No. So, um, but you know, this was the biggest move we'd ever made in the company i mean i fucking ran it out of convention center um, and i got people flying in ticket sales it was pretty damn chaotic and then of course all the money we laid out for that and then COVID happens because we had every contingency in the place you know down to what happens if we didn't sell tickets i mean everything we could think of but who could hold plans for COVID? you know So,
0: what percentage of the the funding that you put into that are you not going to be able to recoup
1: well, I'll let you know in September. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well,
0: I, I'm going to try to be there. Is, yeah. it, is it open to the public? Yeah,
1: totally. So okay. so tickets are on sale at Badass Business Summit right now. Okay. Um, and that's uh, badassbusiness.com? So, badassbusinesssummit.com. Okay. So, um, But the fascinating thing came out of it because of COVID is, you know, when I was doing Sandler training, I did a ton of networking here in Fort Worth. Um, at one point, I ran like six different networking groups. Um do and you sleep, man? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, uh, Hundred miles an hour at all, all, all times. Yeah. Um, add on top of this, everybody can fully understand how crazy I am. I run a full working farm in addition to all this, and I still run a farm.
0: I wonder if I ever drive. Where, where are you located? So off? we're out
1: in Azle. So right. and I'll, I'm familiar with Azle. Okay, so we're in between Azle and Weatherford off of Seven Thirty. Okay,
0: I'm, I'm very familiar with 730.
1: So so Flat Rock uh, Road off of there, um, back in just, I mean, I'm a half a mile off of any major road off of, off yeah. of Flat Rock.
0: So. i trying to think if I've ever seen, is it, how many acres are you on?
1: So we have, on our farm we've got 10 and then we're surrounded by another 50. Okay. So that I'm going to buy eventually, but, yeah, you know. Got goats? (laughs) A ton of goats. Um, We even have a goat that's the company mascot called Champion. So, um,
0: Got a good color scheme?
1: Well, his mama was our first goat we ever got, and she had to have an emergency C-section. She had had triplets, and two of them didn't make it, but Champion did. And I'm like, that motherfucker's fighting His (laughs) name is Champion, so we still got him. We've got ducks, chickens, geese. We've got uh, sugar gliders, freaking Sh- rabbits. Those are, like, really hard to take care of, aren't they? Uh, Not. Uh, we haven't seemed so. I mean, yeah. I, I tore apart an old big-ass China hutch, pulled all the glass out of it, <laughs> replaced it with screens. and
0: How about it, sugar glider?
1: Yeah, it, dude, it, it, that thing's got the Taj Mahal. Well,
0: you know. they're very interesting animals. They are. And I think we looked into getting... Uh, one a while back, and we looked at like the care for them, and we're like, not doing it because we had a hedgehog before. Oh, and that, hedgehogs are—they're not super hard to take care of, but they take some work. Yeah, and, well. and they've got two personalities. Uh, both are kind of you know to themselves, um, introverted, you know. But you either get an introverted nice hedgehog or an introverted a hole. <laughs> and we kept getting a holes. We we had two uh hedgehogs. So after that whenever we were looking at like different types of strange animals we looked at the instruct you know yeah. the the care and you know their uh mannerisms or whatever um uh, and that's why I was asking yeah. about yeah, sugar goats I mean, but goats I'm, I when I my next move is to buy property and I want some goats I
1: to buy it quick cuz it's going up quickly I know quickly. I know you know, uh, I will say, you know, the, the farm is our sanctuary. You know, it, it's nobody gets down to our property unless, you know, we know you're coming. Yeah. You know, it's it's I got a cool three story Victorian house out there. So uh, it's just it's nice. I mean, a modern Victorian or do you. Yeah. So something that was the the guy tried to move an old Victorian house out there that built it. Tried. And the reason I say tried, because it was a historically protected home. Oh, and when you shit. do that, you got to rebuild it the same way it was built originally. Okay. So if it had no foundation, you couldn't put a foundation down. You know, every piece had to be marked and labeled and move and put back in the same way. And he's like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so he built a Victorian style home okay. from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, it's really, really, really cool. But that yeah. was it, before we found it It was on the market for a couple of years and it was all done it up in the different colors and stuff. But, uh, they couldn't sell it. So right before we bought it, they painted the whole fucking thing white. So, so I, I mean, I was imagining since it's
0: Victorian, it's probably all white.
1: Yeah, no, we're, we're going to eventually take it to the painted lady colors and do the more colors okay. and everything. So, um, red uh, roof, blue front. Yeah. Just red crazy door. Crazy shit. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> So, um, but, you know, the interesting thing is during all this COVID stuff, when they, when they shut down the conference, we, and it postponed a postpone conference, I gotta keep saying that, but, yeah. um, we had been doing business on online for, you know, almost three years at that point, And we knew immediately that small business owners were going to be impacted and they were going to, oh, yeah. businesses were going to get shut down because a lot of people had no clue how to do business online. Yeah. So... Um, I rallied the team and said, okay, guys, we got to come up with something that helps these small business owners out. We got a platform. We got a lot of people that follow us. What the fuck can we do? And like you do as a business owner, three o'clock in the morning, I pop wide awake. I'm like, fuck dude, you were a networker for a long time. You ran a lot of groups. Why don't you just start launching virtual networking groups and see what happens? So I called them the number two in my company, Kevin, and and I said, dude, I, I didn't call him. I sent him a, a text message and said, hey, we're going to launch virtual networking groups. What do you think? And, I, and this was like at this point, like 4.30 in the morning, I sent him this message. And at like 6.30, he hadn't responded. <laughs> so I'm sending him a message. I'm like, what is this, a shitty idea? You know, is this not going to work? And he comes back and goes, dude, it's 6.30. I haven't <laughs> had fucking coffee yet. Um, Go play with your sugar, right? <laughs> so uh, he came back and said, dude, it's brilliant. So from that moment... Seven days later, we launched the first Success Champions virtual okay. networking group. And so, this is May, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah beginning of May, yeah, okay. we launched that. Um, and uh, Stacy McGovern, who's the CEO of Point Blank Safety Services, who somebody you should really bring on your podcast, I'll okay. make that happen, yeah. Um, uh, she became the president of that chapter, and we launched the first uh, virtual networking group. And so, we bring what we call second tier networkers together. So the people that have been through the B and I's, the chambers and everything else been right. there. Yeah. Right. And, and most people that we're looking for, look at organization. And I love BNI, I nothing wrong with it because they train all the people that I can go steal and get the badasses out of the groups mm-hmm. and put them in our groups. Yeah. Right. Because um, B and I is where you people go learn to network. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but at some time, if you're in business, you're going to outgrow that group, because you're going to realize there's a whole bunch of people in there that can't sell. Yeah. They're selfish. They're only looking for handouts. So we take those badasses because my most successful group that I ran here was called DFW Business Resource Group. And it was a B2B commercial-only networking group. We were passing millions of dollars worth of referrals a month. Nice. But we had movers and shakers. So to be a part of the group, you know, you had to be in the community. You had to be a, you know, part of the, the major rotaries. You had to sit on nonprofit boards and you understood that this networking group was only a portion of your overall business development plan. You know, this wasn't the solo place that you were coming to get your business. Yeah. You know, you came to that group to help grow other people's businesses and man, we did some serious business out of there. So when we launched this. I said, look, man, I don't want the rookies. I don't want the people that are just starting out. I want the legitimate badasses that are well-connected in their communities and, and get that they're more time they invest in other people, the more badass doors they'll get open for them. And so we launched that Yeah, early May. Um, so we're two months in, almost two months in now. We have 19 chapters across the U.S. We just opened the first one in Canada. We're fixing to open up in the U.K. and Ukraine. This is all since May? May. Jesus, Um, (laughs) Donnie. So, um, well, you know, when you tell people that you're going to put a room full of badasses together, you know, we call them GSDs, get shit done people. When you put a bunch of them together, they're like, oh, fuck, I'm in. Let's do this. So we put a price tag on. It's $47 a month. Okay. and and Which is, by the way, wicked cheap compared <gasps> to
0: similar business models that I've heard of in the past. Oh,
1: and, and it gets even better because uh, I th- that felt like a wait, but wait, there's more moment. It was. <laughs> it got, well, that's all right. I'm okay with it. Um, so I have been running you know, an online community through Facebook teaching business development and sales for a while now. Yeah. So what we did is we knew these small business owners, one, didn't know how to do business online. So not only do they get into the networking groups, but now they're getting put into the ongoing sales and business development training. So once a week, every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central, I do go live and teach business development sales and how to grow your business online. So now all 20 chapters across the world come together, and now you're networking with everybody everywhere. That's
0: that's very powerful, and and to people like you and me that are listening to this, they're immediately going to understand what you're talking about. For anybody that's not been in, in some type of business networking group, typically what happens is you just get a lot of members um, in multiple different fields. You might have a real estate agent, you might have somebody that's into Amway, you might have somebody that's got a landscaping business, a pool guy, an AC guy, and what they do is they hand off referrals to one another. Is that similar to what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, we're running along a, with training, yep. and along with uh, camaraderie between different.
1: Absolutely. So we're doing. There's the similarities are. You know, you're still one seat per chapter, one one industry. Okay. Um, where it starts part ways is the the way we run the meetings. Um, we're not as tightly structured as like a B&I or a chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we emphasize a hell of a lot more training. You know, what the members will do, you know, their little elevator pitch still. But um, like when a member does like a 10 minute presentation, nobody gives a fuck about the history of your company. Yeah. Right. And they they come in and they're teaching something. So they're teaching, you know, a skill set that everybody can try. And um, one of the coolest ones that we've had happen in one of the chapters is the guy run ran a drug testing company. So we're in the middle of covid. And he came in and taught everything about COVID, the insides, the outs, where it came from, how people are catching. I and mean, it was fucking fascinating. So, so uh, that's the, cause cool. he's got a laboratory. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. totally. So, yeah. so he, I mean, and you know, even back then he was like, dude, at this point, cause I mean, we were a month or so into it. He's like, everybody's been exposed to COVID he goes, right. because your dumbass went to Walmart to grab sure. a bag of chips or something. Before we started. The lockdown. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and the numbers that are coming out, I've,
0: you know, we, COVID comes up on every single one of these because that's well, all yeah. we're thinking about. It's affecting us far uh, and wide. Um, but yeah, the numbers have, they've altered. It's not the same information as whenever all this started rolling out. We were terrified. We thought everybody was going to die. And that's yeah. well, not exactly what happened. I,
1: I just liked his position on it. You know, he's an a Navy corpsman. He owns a, you know, lab, drug testing lab company, take that for whatever it's worth. But he's like, look it's the flu. Yeah.
0: You know, or it's going to come the back. Flu
1: people are going to die from it, you know? Sure. Um, and it, it's tragic guys. Not I don't want to make light of it. Yeah, by any Not by minimizing any, it, but, but it's
0: not what we thought it was going to be. Correct.
1: You know, it is terrible and people are getting sick. It is a real disease, but yes, it is. It is. Let's, let's call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and you know, and he's like, look, dude, you're going to see a resurgence of it. Oh you know? yeah. Because it's the flu or, or form of flu. It's mm-hmm. just like the same flus that come around every year. Yeah. This is not the first SARS virus we've had. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so so but that was fascinating. But in in you know, launching these networking groups, it f- made this huge pivot pivot in the business because this is just not something we were even remotely thinking about before COVID happened. Uh, you used a
0: term a minute ago and I wanted to uh before we go much further, you said one uh seat per position, is that right? Yep. Now for like you and me and anybody that's been in our positions, we understand that terminology. But what Donnie's talking about is if you are coming into a chapter and there's chapters in certain regions and you've got 20 nationwide, right? Well, 19 in the 19? one in Canada. Okay. So uh, the region that would be inside your area or the chapter that would be inside your area, there's going to be one position. So if you're an AC guy and you want to be in this group and they don't already have that filled, you would go into that group you now have that chair once you've secured it, and they're not going to pull in another AC guy. Is that about right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's a great description. the The, okay. the one variance on that is, um, if you if you look at, and I'm not picking on BNI. Sure. I, I keep telling everybody I need BNI. 'Cause they're doing all my training for me. <laughs> right. Um it's a very politically correct way to put it. it yeah. you know, it, it's <laughs> it's the truth. I when when they their people get trained up and they become their big billy badasses and they're and they're mentally exhausted and dumb with B and I, they're a perfect fit for me. Sure. Um uh so but in in B and I's like the Kevin who's in my company, he ran the largest B and I region in Minnesota. Okay had like 4000 some odd members. How do you right? do that? His chapter that he main chapter that he would run had 84 members in it. Mm-hmm. They had like three different types of financial advisors. Right. So right? you got one guy that does does right. does, you know, like people up to $50,000 and this one did like old people and, you know, whatever else. It was too fucking confusing. So right. so for us, no chapter will grow over 30 members. Right. Smart. So once right. you get
0: above that mark, now it's time to open. We'll open chapter. up another
1: chapter, right. right? And and it's because the hours, the meetings will always stay an hour. They'll always be virtual, because you know, especially here in the DFW marketplace, dude. If you got to get anywhere to a meeting, you're three hours. Yeah. You know, because you're twenty minutes to get there, twenty minutes to do the small talk. Meeting goes for an hour. Twenty minutes afterwards, BS and around half your day. Yep. And now you got to come back here, dude. Uh, Anywhere you are, as long as you can grab a phone, you're logging in. It's funny. Dude. We're watching people do, you know, participate in their cars. You know, uh, I've done it on the tractor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. uh are you a Kubota guy or John Deere? Uh, no, I'm a Cub cadet. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I don't have a full big-ass tractor. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need all that. <laughs> that you know. Um you buy that extra 15 acres you're going to need a bigger one. you damn right. Yeah. And more animals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> more goats, more sugar gliders. Yeah, um, you know, well no, at that point I want to go uh we ultimately we want to do a big ass drive through animal rescue. So okay. do like what Glenn Rose and Arbuckle's done. Are you
0: going to take on tigers? Uh, um no. I hear there's open, an opening in the market <laughs> for that.
1: I've never seen that show. <laughs> oh dude, um it'll rot your brain but it'll entertain you for hours. <laughs> you know, um yeah, no. I just, I, it's one of those things. Uh, uh, no desire to get even into. No, um, I know. God, that, I've, I've heard. Don't that, waste your time. You know, you're, you're it, too busy for that, Donnie. Well, it, what, <laughs> what's funny is I've got some friends that say like the the book Checklist Manifesto is the greatest book of all time, I've Right heard of it. Um, let me summarize it for you. Okay. Make a checklist. There's an entire book. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel about the Tiger King type thing is, okay, cool. Carol killed her husband, you know, shit went south, it's a bunch of hillbillies, some straight dude married two other guys, you know, <laughs> that's the whole show and I've never seen it. Yeah. You, you saw the show based off of memes. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally, you know, and, and so, so there's no point in wasting your time going through it. Um, And that's just, you know, how I am with a lot of things, but, I think two things are going to continue happening with success champions. One, I think we're going to completely change the game of how people sell. I think we're we're going to um get people to understand that sales is just a fucking conversation, right? You Absolutely. Know? And you know? it
0: has to be that in this day and age yeah. with everybody already set up to say no to a salesman. Yeah. It's gotta be just a conversation.
1: Yep. So you gotta go big and loud on that. And I think we will completely change the landscape of how people do networking.
0: Sounds like you're off to a hell of a start now. Um, uh, DonnieBoving.com is yep. that the best place to get all of your information? Yeah, yeah. So
1: two things. Well, let me give your your guests and your listeners something really, Absolutely. really cool. So one of the biggest things that we struggled when we launched the podcast, the business, and everything was coming up with social content because you know in this day and age, you've got to be putting out social content every day. It's all Absolutely. <laughs> we figured out a pretty cool way to create a massive amount of content in a very, very short amount of time. Okay. So uh, one day I taught you know how my, one of the groups that I have that we do all the online classes and things for, um, I taught them all how to take in 20 minutes to create about a month to two months worth of content. I mean, yeah. that's, and that's videos, that's audio, that's memes, social graphics, blogs, a whole nine. Did young. you say 20 minutes, 20 minutes? Um, I'm not kidding. Crystal ball. Um, what do you mean? Crystal ball. Some kind of magic. No, it's, <laughs> no. No, 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 no. It, it's, and it's all done by free programs. Okay. Oh, okay. You got programs Yeah. This. So, So in, in teaching that, I literally take them through how do you record a video and then repurpose the dog shit out of it, mm-hmm. right, and just make a ton Gary V style, ton of content, yeah. right? Um, what we've done, because I knew I was coming here to do this, so I package all that up. So if your listeners will type, send a text says, I am a success champion to 817-318-6030, I will send them that entire training. So it's 45 minute training where and it's completely free. Um, I'll send them that entire training where it walks them through step by step by step, how to create an endless amount of content from stuff they're already doing.
0: I'm sitting here like I just watched a lion take down a gazelle. I was not expecting that. So thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very Absolutely. cool. You're Absolutely. Definitely the first uh, guest that's come on and been that prepared and shared something. <laughs> I've been with in the podcast game for a little yeah, while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, man, I, I'm going to try really hard not to just blow your front up with all sorts of questions. Um, because you're, you're so, uh, much deeper into this than, than I eventually one day I want to get to your level. It's, uh a lot of success that you've seen with uh, everything that you're doing. I did have one question sure. that I wanted to ask you about before we get out of here. But, um, whenever you were talking about releasing your episodes, you were talking about putting out the episode, waiting a couple of days, then attacking one social media platform and then progressing yep. kind of in a series. Um, it, did I, did I understand that right? You are releasing the episode, getting it out on all the directories and then focusing on Instagram
1: one day, yep. Facebook the next day, Twitter the next day. Yeah, totally. And, and being native to the platform is huge. And what I mean by native to the platform is don't do not do something on Instagram and then post it to Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and everything else. Which I have been doing. Right? Stop that. Okay. Because think about it this way. Um, Facebook doesn't want you to leave right. Facebook. Right. LinkedIn doesn't want you to leave LinkedIn. Twitter doesn't want you to leave Twitter. Yeah. So by posting native to the platform, it helps the algorithm – By going, okay, cool, maybe he shared it to his Facebook page or whatever thing else, but it's still on Facebook. I'm going to show more people because it keeps them here. Okay. Right? So, So think about, you know, you release audiograms are dead if you know what an audiogram is. That's where you basically take a still picture and put... The audio behind it, those uh, don't work anymore. One thing you're going to learn very quickly about podcasts is the marketing strategy moves fucking fast. Yeah. Very, very it fast. It changes. Yes, yes. So, so like, right now, uh, LinkedIn is killing it on videos. Yeah. You know, so if you're not putting out video content on LinkedIn, you are missing big time. Okay. Okay. Um, so the Joe Rogan is brilliant. You know, Joe Rogan's not on LinkedIn, uh. follow what he does on Google, on uh, YouTube and do that on LinkedIn. Cause what he'll do is he'll do a little clip and it says, professor tells Joe Rogan, he's a freaking idiot. Right. And that headline alone just captures your actually like We've well, got the ball that to tell yeah. Joe Rogan he's an idiot. <laughs> that dude will freaking punch his lights out, you know. Yeah. And, and so you go into it and so, some really kind of cool in depth, you know, uh, thing. And, and it captures you. So if you do that same type of thing, but on LinkedIn, you always got to turn it to business. Okay. So no matter what that snippet or clip is, you've got to have a business spin on it or people go, oh, this isn't Facebook, that shit, we don't want that here. Right. On Facebook, now you've got to go to a more personal level. Right, so you put out that same clip and it's more along the lines of Joe Rogan and the Professor talk about, you know. Punching each other in the face. yeah, yeah Whatever, right? <laughs> So you, you adjust it so it's native for that platform. Yeah. And what a lot of people do is they create one piece of content and then they plop it on every one of the platforms. Anybody that follows you on these platforms, once they start seeing the same content over and over, they stop paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause they don't want to see the same thing every time they show up. Right. You know, so, so it's, you know, in every one of your podcast episodes should become a blog post. It should yeah. actually could become several blog posts. Yeah. Um, it should become a vlog post. Are yeah. you blogging just to your website or just to my, well uh, we blog to the website and then we do um, uh, on LinkedIn, you do the uh, articles. On okay. And so yeah. um, I'm still trying
0: to, Muddle my way through LinkedIn. I'm, I, I started really investigating all the social medias that I didn't give a shit about. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning all of those. So,
1: well, here, here's where I got overwhelmed. And then I give this to everybody: quit trying to master them all. Yeah, master one, maybe two. Okay, right, and and really, so think about very specifically where your audience is going to hang out. Where, yeah. where are your listeners really going to be? and then go all in on that platform and then build a secondary one. The one caveat to that is every podcast should have a Facebook group associated with it because we've built in our, our empire around a Facebook group. Yeah. You know, so a thousand true freaking fans that are just into what we do is how we've built everything we've done. Yeah. You know, so, not a page, uh,
0: a group, a group,
1: a group. You, know, you still need to have a page as well because yeah. if you ever want to do ad spend. You got to have a page, yeah. um, but a group creates your, own community. And just remember people want to hang out with people that are like them. Right. So, so when you have a group collectively coming together, you know, uh, talking about the same things, and this is going to be focused on Fort Worth, start a group on Fort Worth and and then go join every other group that's in Fort Worth mm-hmm. and start adding value and talking and then, and then get people don't go into the group and say, Hey, come join my group. Start adding value. Start adding snippets from the show and clips and everything else. Yeah. And then in your profile, take your background picture of your profile and go headlines. Join Fort Worth whatever group in there so people go, when they start checking out, why is this guy posting all this cool content? Now they see your profile and they're like, oh, he's got a group. Let's go join that. Yeah. And that's how you grow the group out. Very cool. So. Very cool. Um
0: well, tell them that a uh, text message number. Yep. And, uh... So
1: send "I am a success champion" to eight one seven three one eight sixty thirty, and we'll send that all over. Of course, you're going to have to ask for your email because that's we got nowhere to hell to send it. Um, but it's a forty five minute Zoom training where I've, I've got legitimate clients of mine, you know, going through, and and you're going to hear all their questions. As I and I share screen and walk step by step how to create all this content. That's awesome, Donnie. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Um, And then again, the website is d o n n i e b o i v i n dot com. That's Donnie bovine.com
1: that's it that's it and then and if people are are interested you know you can go find all the stuff there but my my i have several books in the marketplace now probably the one that would fit your audience the best is how to be a success champion just go to amazon type in how to be a success champion it'll pop up it's got a really cool cover on it um it hit amazon number one bestseller of all of amazon and Continue to go on so jesus man that's dude i'm telling you we have learned (laughs) a fucking lot on this ride
0: (laughs) well um i'm i'm very very overwhelmed that you're here and i appreciate it and uh i hope to learn a little bit from you dude
1: and anything (laughs) you need seriously reach out i don't mind helping out whatsoever
0: donnie uh that's an hour and a half man thank you for your time i know that's probably longer than you were anticipating but i appreciate it thank you very much and uh anytime you need to come out promote Wanna hang out? Maybe next time we'll do drinks. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, brother. All right, Donnie. Thanks, man. Bye everybody.